Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. How's it going, man? Doing pretty good. You look a little stressed out. What's going on? Well, I got a lot of stuff to pack. Got a lot of software stuff to finish. I'm, I got a lot of shit to do before I leave town. Where are you going? Going to Seattle. Getting some coffee or doing something different? You know, it might be the only place in the world that has, I think, four Starbucks on the same corner. So I'm pretty excited about that. Like all four corners of an intersection? Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. It's a real thing. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I guess if you've got the demand. So uh, why are you going to Seattle again? Well, we're going to Microsoft Build. So for us, it's a, a little bit of the Super Bowl for us of uh, trade shows. So there'll be six, 7,000 software developers there, and we're going to have a booth. and Six or 7,000 attendees yeah. or displays? No, attendees. Okay. It's a lot of developers. So Yeah. And considering that we have a shortage of how many in the country? Like a million Oh, wow. So maybe that's why none of them are all, maybe that's why uh, six or 7,000 and not a million people are going to this. But, you know, I think it's a good time to do a little uh, informative session on trade shows. I think that startups, second stage businesses, and even established companies have a history of going to and using trade shows as a way to promote themselves. However, the whole trade show industry itself has changed quite a bit. I used to do a lot of them, uh, what we'll say, back in the day when I worked in the music industry, and I saw a lot of that stuff change. Uh, what, what do you hope to accomplish? Well, we're hoping to get a lot of awareness of our product and our company, um, talk to some of our existing customers, and you know, hopefully get a few customers out of it. I mean, trade shows are tough, man. I mean, a lot of the people there aren't necessarily a buyer. They're not there with a checkbook looking to buy something. They're there to get out of the office, learn a few things, uh, get all excited about Microsoft stuff. You know, they're they're not there looking to buy our software. But and we're some, hoping we some, can get some people it. are there not by choice either. Yeah. They're like, hey, you know, hey, Larry, you need to go to yeah. Microsoft Build and and you know, some of those folks aren't always too excited about well, being that's, there. Well, that's the trick with trade shows, yep. right? There's so many different types. The we were we had lunch with somebody yesterday, and he was talking about going to a trade show in Texas, uh, and it was like all the I think the buyers from school districts. Like it was there, it was people there looking to buy stuff, right? Like that's different. I think all these trade shows are different. In in my Event Solutions days, we mostly went to a trade show called uh, Digital Dealer. And the people there were all about, uh, you know, internet marketing for dealers, like they were the right person, they were interested in finding new tips and tricks and tools and things to buy, like they were, most of them were buyers, like that, they was really successful for us. That, but, that sounds like a really targeted type of trade show. And, you know, I think that when it comes to trade shows, you have ones that are attempting to inform and educate. And then some are a little broader and they're just like, well, for example, um, you know, and this is while this isn't technically a trade show, but you look at something that you'll see advertising for locally a lot, like the boat show. Right. The boat show is pretty, that's pretty broad. 
Um, are people really going there to buy boats? Maybe. A um, dream. Maybe some of them are just there to kick tires and see cool boats and do stuff like that. And, you know, then what or, you or get our kids out of the house and let them run around on somebody else's boat for a couple hours. Right. Well, I'd rather have my kids tear up the boat there. Yeah, for sure. The boat. Um, now, obviously, when you're evaluating whether or not to go to a trade show, I think one of the things that people don't give enough consideration to is how much work can go into it. I've been seeing you and your staff doing quite a bit of that around here. How long have you been preparing for this thing? A few weeks. I mean, so, you know, we had to write, you know, a decent sized check to go to this deal. Uh, had to, you know, prepare marketing materials and swag to give away. And, you know, we have to create like a video to present about our product and you know what is you know what are we going to say to people when they walk by the booth you know all these all these sort of things so it's a huge distraction to be honest and then next week i've got six employees that are out of pocket for a week right I mean, what does that cost right right so you and you know on our imaginary calculators so we have a trick we have a booth we've got travel for half a dozen people i'm that, probably spending 50 grand is that it wow probably that's yeah. a, that's a big number Com- in, in you know, only a, a half of that or, or less is actually the booth. It's time that my employees are out of office. It's travel. It's yeah. I mean, it's, it's probably 40, 50 grand. So as far as some of the stuff that you've had to prepare, and I think this is important for startup founders or people that want to, you know, consider doing stuff like this, the impression that you make is pretty key. Would you agree? Well, our goal is to make a good first impression on random people walking by our booth, right? So they remember who we are, they're interested, they're curious. Yeah, I mean, we, we've got a few seconds to make a good first impression. So with some of that, you talked about, you know, making a video. Um, I've, you know, actually had a little input and in, in watched you guys make a flyer. Yep. Something to hand out. Um, and that's always a tricky thing, too, because it's easy to want to put too much information on that. But that's, uh, you know, just something, hey, you're passing by or, hey, I talked to you, you know, and, and, you know, with these shows and I I haven't, you know, I think my career in the music industry really wore me out on trade shows because I used to, on behalf of the company that I worked for, would go help other people execute trade shows. And they were oftentimes at the wrong thing, like they would be at the state fair. You want to talk about an untargeted buyer, right? The, you know, you're sitting there trying to sell a, a, a digital piano to someone that's there because they entered a pig in a beauty contest. But that's the thing is it's hard to figure out the ROI, right? But if they sold one or two pianos, was it worth it? Yes, it that's was. That's the thing. It's the, hard. But on top of it, though, the thing that you really need to consider is those things start early and oftentimes run late. They're long days. You need to make sure you have enough bright-eyed and bushy-tailed people there. It's, to, it's exhausting to stand it, in one place for eight hours. Yes, and that was the thing. That's why I said it wore me out, and that's why I haven't gone to a lot of them. The uh, um, the last trade show I went to was TechCrunch in San Francisco, and that was a very beautiful example of some people doing it right and some people doing it completely wrong. Um there was one booth with a guy that was there and all he had was a business card that had his name and a Gmail address on it. That's good. It didn't, I don't, I mean, at least it wasn't an AOL address. It might have been, it might've been close. <laughs> I, I, I upgraded it to say it was Gmail, but you know, here's the point is, is I remember him for that and not for anything else. And, you know, when it comes to some of the things at the, you know, these things that, 
that really matters. You look at all the expense, the effort and whatever, and it's to make sure that you're also planning this effectively. So you're not so worn out and burn out on the whole thing before the doors open for the first day. So when I come to your booth, how are you planning on getting my attention? I don't know. I guess I better figure that out. Okay. You've got about three days. Um, (laughs) But, you know, that's a good point. So you have to also picture your own booth and your presentation in context with everything that's there. You know, like there's a lot of people that are going to be selling stuff. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them are going to do things to try to stand out or get you to remember. You know, most of the people, this is kind of like, you know, walking through the mall in a lot of ways. And, uh, me personally, when I go through the mall and there's those little kiosks and there's someone's, Hey, sir, come over here. I don't listen. I don't want to go over there because you're going to try to sell me something I don't want. I don't need and whatever. But, you know, one of the things with trade shows is you need to have a way to get folks to remember you at the end of the day. Yeah. It's easy to talk to people and, and they're interested in what you're selling, what you're doing or any of that. And then they go talk to 25 other people and they forgot who you are. So, you know, like, for example, something as simple as a flyer or um, information about your company. You know, a lot of people at these things pass out stuff. Well, and our goal is to scan their badges, right? So when you do that, do you capture their info? Yeah. So and then what we can do is do some kind of, uh, you know, lead qualification, we can go through, let's hope we get 500, 1000 people come by and we scan their badge, maybe we go through there, and we find 50 of them, they're kind of an ideal customer for us, they kind of fit the profile of who we're looking for. And then, then maybe we chase those people around and say, Hey, you came by our booth. You know, one of the things that was always really useful, when I worked in the music industry was things that got people involved, you know, and the digital piano was a big product that we sold at the time. And it had some interactive features and stuff. And if we could get you to sit down and take a piano lesson from the piano and, you know, you'd see these people's eyes light up, they'd be like, Oh, that's so amazing. And now all of a sudden they're hooked and they're sitting there and they're seeing, Oh, wow, I am having fun with this. I do like this. Um, how are you going to keep me engaged? You know, maybe my striking good looks, my uh, I mean, the, great ability to carry a conversation. So you don't have a plan? No. But you do have a plan in a way. I mean, you're bringing six people that are all there able to have conversations we and do. discussions. Yep, we do. Now, um, you know. going to smile and dial. You know, some of the some of the best leads smile and dial. <laughs> I mean, shake hands. I'm confused. Are you running a call center yeah. out of your booth? Yeah. Multitasking. Uh, that's a little odd. But <laughs> I mean, you guys are just going to call me over and over again, right? If you'd buy something. I, it depends how many times you call. I might buy to just get you to quit calling. Um, are you doing any promos or giveaways? We're giving away some t-shirts, some stickers. Yeah, a t-shirt. And I've seen the t-shirts you make. If you're going to make stuff that you're going to give away, like shirts or whatever, make good stuff. Because if you, it's easy to want to make the cheapest, crappiest stuff possible. Yeah, I'm going to use that to wipe up paint off my garage. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to wear it. But for example... Um, you know, I wear your, your other stackify shirts that you made that have the little Voltron robot on it. Um, 
And it's just a likeness of Voltron. That's not actually Voltron, is it? No. Yeah, it's definitely no infringement there. Um, so, well, it's com- the key is their comfortable shirts, right? Yeah, but where and, sometimes you you go and they have these like white cotton shirts that nobody's going to wear, and if you do, they're going to shrink by yeah. like a million inches, and, and you know, yeah, the they're just terrible. And, and sure, the the comfortable stuff might cost twice as much, but you want people wearing them. You know, one of the uh, little tchotchke items that was always the most popular. Uh, that I used to travel around with was we had these little foam armchairs and they went on your desk. And so you could set your phone in them. Okay. And when you picked up your phone, it had the company logo on the back. And I work for Roland. So you would pick it up and it would say Roland. And now, you know, these are the things that, that, you know, if you can find something that's useful, that, that, that was accomplishing its purpose. Right. And I've never had more people. It's like, I think when I went to go visit our dealers, they were more interested in getting more cell phone armchairs <laughs> than they were about actually listening to what I had to say. Um, so, you know, sticking back with my familiarity at certain trade shows, like uh, there was one called NAM, North American Music Merchants. And that is some, that was a weekend that 100,000 people would come to. Wow. And our booth was an acre. And, and now just to give it context, that's the size of a football field. Wow. Um, and by the way, Roland had shrunk that booth down. It used to be double the size, but the expense compared, you know, the ROI had kind of shrunk over the years. But, you know, they had a live theater in there and they would have, you know, people. Got, I, I saw Stevie Wonder in there. I mean, their budget for that must have been. It was huge. Massive. It was over a million dollars. Wow. Um, but it, but they justified it because for many of the dealers that we um, that we had, that was where they would place an order that would be timed out over six to twelve months. So it was really a key thing. And the pre-show or post-show meeting was clutch like that because once you try to get people if you try to schedule them to come by during the show they get distracted they do other things that might work but another thing too is is and this isn't really applicable to my own experience but consider the fact that the people that are there exhibiting with you are also really good leads potentially yeah absolutely good uh customers or partners that you can do some business development with we um we were t- earlier I mentioned we would go to digital dealer and we would actually rent like separate rooms that we would yep. take people to, or we take them up to like yep. a hotel room yep. and do one-on-one demos and stuff. And that, that was the other part of it that was so huge about the trade shows was being able to meet with existing customers mm-hmm. that you're trying to still build a relationship, keep them happy, uh, let them air their grievances, come by and choke somebody, whatever. Uh, but then having those moments where you could take potential clients and, you know, go meet with them offsite. Like for, for me, it was remarkably efficient because my territory covered 11 states. So my other alternative and, you know, it's sometimes hard to be effective over the phone. I mean, yeah, you can do stuff over the phone, but there's no better time to ask someone for the sale than when they're sitting right across from you. Yeah. And, and also when you have them at these places, even though the show itself and the exhibit itself can be somewhat distracting, you also have them away from their business, yep. which is also, you know, like if you took you or I away from, you know, our office, you have a completely different dynamic because right. I don't have all these employees yep. or notifications or whatever coming in that suddenly distract me. So, you know, keep in mind that that's a great place to really try to get a sale. Um, well, one, one of the things we would do is we, we had like 
an advisory group that was like our top, you know, 10 to 20 customers. And we would have meetings there like the day before the event or something. And we would go and take them out and do all sorts of shit. I can't even talk about, um, <laughs> of debauchery, but, um, but yeah, we used to do a lot of that kind of stuff. We'd go out and kind of wine and dine some of our top clients and tell them about the product and where we're going and, and just get them all jazzed up about, cause they were kind of our advocates in the industry. Right. So basically making people feel important. Yeah. Yeah. And do debauchery stuff that we can't even talk about. But they're great memories. He's joking about all of that, of course. Strike, like, strike that from yeah, the record. I mean, um, we've never done anything that lacks moral compass. Um, that wasn't at a trade trip. It was not at Vegas. What's hey? What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Is what all the billboards say. Do you think they're trying to condition people to really believe that? It's not true. I just last year I was in Vegas a lot, but I was just working, so. I did definitely leave it in Vegas. You know, I've heard those stories of the, uh, you know, the girls that steal your cell phone and then call your wife while you're in Vegas. Like, (laughs) yeah, not everything stays in Vegas. Yeah, that sounds weird. Um, It's a good thing I've got that new iPhone that only unlocks with my face. Yeah, they just have to hold it up in front of your face after they beat the shit out of you. Oh, wow. I've never been beat up by a girl. I don't think it's even been attempted, but... Yeah, that sounds scary. So speaking of trade shows, are you bringing some of your best people when it comes to those that have the ability to talk to the people coming to the booth? Well, that's the hard part, right? It's yeah, we, we actually are taking our head person in charge of support, who understands the product extremely technical. We're taking our marketing manager who, again, can talk about the product understands it. Uh, And then we're actually taking one of our, um, like our administrative assistant, you know, she's not as up to speed on the, on the, uh, the product, um, but should definitely be a great presence in the booth as she's well. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. Yep. And then I'll be there. And then a couple of our uh, developers will be there, including our CTO, but uh, C2O, 2OTO or CTO. I can't You'll get it right. Today. You'll get it right. Uh, you know, they'll probably spend some more time uh, at the training seminar side of it too, but we'll also have them around. Um, that, you know, back to the point earlier about trade shows, it's, it's understanding the type of tri- trade show and while, while they're there. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. I think you've got the kind where there's buyers, like, you know, your example of, of um, the music industry where people were there to learn about the product, buy the product, whatever. Yeah, versus, they, want, they wanted to see what we had coming out next, yeah. what we had. And then honestly, we usually gave a, a, like a 5% discount or something. If you, you bought, there was, there was a then, reason to buy. And then you have some that are more training based. People are going there to learn, which is those are educator conventions. And and that's really what we're going to Mm -hmm. is more of a place where people go to learn. Um, And then I think you have the like consumer consumer ones where like it's the boat show or the car show and and Comic-Con. Right. I mean, you go to Comic-Con and sell stuff. I know a guy who writes his own comic book and every year he goes and he sells, you know, a few comic books. But. I think it's just understanding the type of show you're going to and the ROI. And for, for the software development side of it, there are trade shows or conferences every week somewhere. But a lot of them are small, like 300 people, 500 people show up to them. And that's why we'd rather go to one where thousands of people show up if we're going to go to all this effort and do this because they are a huge distraction. They take a lot of time. Um, but one positive thing we haven't mentioned 
I think some of our employees are really excited to get out of the office and go to Seattle for a week. I mean, it's a little bit of a vacation for them, too. And at the same time, it it also brings a lot of market awareness for the other things that are going on in your industry that can be those can be the seeds of future innovation. You know, seeing what you know, there's every time I go to uh, go to something like this. I always run into something and I'm like, huh, I never really even thought about that. And then the more I think about it, I say, wow, that's probably a really great avenue to, you know, to go down as far as developing some new business. Um, I think basically to recap what you were saying is, and did you have something you want? Well, I was just going to say, you know, to your point, it's like everybody who goes to these shows, you know, as a vendor or as somebody who's, who's attending is it's the, the pearls, right? Like, you know, or uh, Laurel Holt, the uh, Yoda, as we affectionately call him, it's the pearls, right? What did they learn? They might learn one or two things. But from a vendor perspective, it could be those one or two clients that you get, right? Like, to your point, like going to a state fair, it seems like a huge waste of time. But if you get one or two clients, it might be worth it. Um, Stack At Stackify, one of our you know, bigger clients, we actually got at a random trade show we did, um, which is Carbonite, who does online backup. They saw us at some show in Vegas. That's how we got them, right? That was the one or two pearls that came out of it. And and you I, know the one thing about pearls is they take a long time to form. Yeah, it did. But you know <laughs> you what? Got, you got to open a lot of oysters. But they've to been a one. customer now for like three years. They, you know, they more than well. Uh, they they definitely paid for the fact that we went to the show. And so it doesn't seem like there's a big ROI. But sometimes it just takes a handful of conversations with the right people. But and, and speaking of that, it's you know, hard. But while I'm the first person to tell you that the word next is sometimes your best friend as a salesperson, it, when you go to a trade show, you have to actually, in many ways, eliminate that. Um, this is a numbers game. It and, is. And you can't, uh, there's this, uh, it sounds kind of weird. And we, you know, we're talking about debauchery earlier, but the term pigeonhole <laughs> um, is when you just assume that someone isn't a buyer or a possible user or whatever based on something. And, you know, I'll take that state fair example. Um, I saw a guy that literally had straw in his hair spend $40,000 on something because they never spent money on anything. They were farmers out in the, you know, and that was a big thing. Like for them, they were like, oh, wow, this is great. I didn't even know this existed. And this guy just happened to have like a massive farm somewhere. I mean, he was wearing overalls. He did not look like the guy that was going to buy a $40,000 player grand piano, but he did. And, well, and it would have been really easy to just assume that guy wasn't going to buy anything. Well, and I think that's the other important point here is these trades, these conferences are a little bit like networking. You, you never know who you're talking to if they're the right person, but they may know the right person, right? Like I may talk to a developer this week who's like, yeah, w- you know, we can't use this, but, you know, somebody else on our other team at work, this would be perfect for them, right? Or my buddy at this place, right? I mean, you never know. And, you know, another thing too is, is you know, back to the idea of seed planting or harvesting the pearls or whatever you want to say is, you know, I mean, people don't stay at companies for 25 years the way that they did. So, you know, that, that kind of impression and input, you know, when I look at Stackify, I mean, the thing that the song I would sing at your booth was, Hey, everything we do is meant to make your life easier. Right. Yep. And if there are things that, annoy you about the product that you build as a developer, maybe take a look at what we do because we might not fix all of your problems, but if we can fix some of them, 
that might just be a better way. And we can help. And it's not an ex- incredibly expensive product. It's actually really affordable. It is. So it's not a huge investment up front to figure out, you know, is this something that works for me? And, you know, do you have a way that, you know, we've talked a lot about, is this worth it? Is it worth the time? Is it worth the money? Um, is it worth, you know, it, anytime you do say yes to one thing, you're saying no to something else. Like, is part. it worth yep. the opportunity cost? And, you know, Matt and I spent a couple of days this week at a um, with a local organization trying to help them uh, fine tune a uh, like a training a, a two day training yeah. program, and we we talked a lot about you know some of this stuff and and you know what you know especially things related to opportunity costs. But you know one of the things that that I pointed out is that I talk to too many people that just don't seem like they 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 act as if selling some selling something or attempting to sell something is distracting them from everything else that they do. Well, you do eventually have to stop and try to sell something. If you're, you know, if you're building, you know, we talk a lot about building software and that's just because that's what we spend most of our day doing. But, you know, basically in the end, if you don't make sales, it's all going away eventually. Well, and, and there are some people that would say trade shows are their number one traction channel. That's how they get all yeah. of their business is there's a couple trade shows a year, their entire business lives well, and dies by. Well, it. we had one guy on a panel with us that works for a hundred year old company that, you know, makes uh, brand related merchandise. And he was saying for that, rotary club, yeah, for rotary right? clubs and other things, but I bet there's a trade show every year for rotary clubs. It's a pretty damn big deal. Well, that's actually what he was saying. He said there was actually a sequence of them. Yeah. So they'll do a whole bunch of them in over a course of like a month or six weeks, which I guarantee you empties that office out and puts a lot of people in motion. And then there's the, then there's what comes after. So do you have any, do you have a plan or way that you're going to be following up with any of the people or leads that you met? Matt? We haven't formulated the plan, but we, you know, we'll go through the contacts we get, try and qualify them and, and figure out who we reach out to. You know, we know who our target customer is, right? So we'll, we'll go through it, do some data pending, data cleanup, hygiene, figure out who these people are. You know, one of the things that's worked for me in the past is, all right, so you, is this five days? Four? It's three days. Three but, days. Uh, I mean, we also have travel days on sure. either side. So I'm actually leaving on a Sunday to go out there. And, so, yeah. You're going to be doing a lot of stuff. You're going to talk to a lot of people. You're going to see a lot of things. There's a whole lot going on. My recommendation is, you know, always try to collect as much information, you know, get business card, write down contact information. If you run into people that really stand out and you say, wow, that's a great lead. Take some notes on them somewhere, whether it's in your phone or whatever it is that you do, because by the time you get to the 200th person that day, these details start to get really watered down. Absolutely so do. like I said, the last one of these things, the, the I key went, to all this is follow up. Well, right, right. It's follow up. So, you know, when I went to TechCrunch, I actually took um, my wife and kids with me and they, it was in San Francisco and they went and did San Francisco stuff. And at the end of the day, I had collected literally, I don't know, a hundred business cards each day. And I sat down and I organized them and I wrote some notes about all of them. And because I knew that the moment that I walked back into my hotel room, I was going to be doing stuff with my wife and my kids. I was, and then I was going to get right back into the next thing the next day. And I've just through experience know that it's really easy to water that stuff down. I just have a, 
know, I have a little paper notebook that travels around with me in my backpack. And it, none of it was, um, you know, remarkably uh, complex. You know, I just say, hey, you know, this seems like a good a good uh, person to call about a possible partnership or, you know, this, these guys have something that I might want to keep an eye on for whatever reason. So, um, I know that you're usually a really hospitable and welcoming guy. Um, are you going to, are you going to remind everyone on your staff how important it is to greet people with a smile? I am. And I think one thing I'm going to tell them is like, look, our, you know, our goal is to, shake hands and kiss babies and hear no a lot of times. Right. But we're really looking for those five to 10 people we talk to. And that's all we're looking for. We get those five to 10 people that are, will be good customers for us. It's all worth it. So we just got to get through all the no's to find the five or 10. We got to make sure everybody understands they're on point. They're going to hear no a thousand times, but they're looking for the five to 10. You know, what really makes people feel that they're being greeted in a hospitable way is a t-shirt cannon. Um, you you said you have t-shirts but do you have the cannon that goes with it no do you have a mascot you know you're not allowed to have costumes you're not Uh, we found out there's no costumes allowed it's funny because when i say that if you guys look hard enough you can definitely find lots of instances of matt watson dressed up like an insect they said no costumes i wonder if i could do body paint instead you just want to paint your whole body yeah like a bug please don't okay That would be really really weird. So, I mean, do you have anything else that you wanted to point out? I think that, you know, I think for me, one of the things in conclusion is if you're thinking about going to a trade show with your business, remember a couple of things. Like it's kind of like advertising. At first, you can see a really broad approach that reaches a whole lot of people and you can think that that's great. Well, first off, it's going to be expensive. Second off, it's not going to be very targeted. So the more specific you get in the with the nature of the trade show, like Matt mentioned earlier, there are ones that are there specifically for people to come buy stuff. That's a great choice. Would you agree? Yeah. Yep. And then you have ones that are a little broader and then you have, you know, like, for example, well, the Microsoft might be an actual, um, that's a little broader. Those people aren't there necessarily to buy, but if you just had a general developers convention, well, that's even broader. Well, we don't go to those because not targeted. Well, partly because we only support certain programming languages. So if we went to a conference for Amazon web services, but if we only support .NET and Java and 80% of the people don't use .NET or Java, then like I'm wasting my time. Right. Right. So that's why we don't go because I don't want to shake hands and kiss babies and like, oh, no, sorry. I Nope. We don't do that. (laughs) Nope. Sorry. Nope. Sorry. We don't do that. It's kind of like selling pianos at a state fair. Well, so... You know, and, and, you know, another thing, too, it's just like in my final advice is make sure that you're representing your business in a way that makes you proud. Um, I think a lot of, you know, you go to these trade shows, and you've got here's your little eight by 10 booth. It's got this white card with black letters on it that says your business name. And you're like, oh, wow, I didn't make a banner. Or, you know, there's yeah. a there's a lot of companies out there that can really help you with some of that presence, but be ready and be prepared. You don't have to spend a ton of money at these things, but if you don't have supporting materials for what you do or a few things that are going to make you stick out at the end of the day to the person that talked to 250 people, um, you're probably not going to get remembered. There's one other thing we didn't talk about. We should have mentioned is 
you can just go to trade shows too and not even have a booth. True. Right? I mean, there's a lot of networking and stuff that, that happens uh, just from going. Right. And I, I've if actually, you talk to people. And I haven't ever done it, but I've looked at certain things for Gigabook where there are specific industries where the whole entire trade show is working in an industry that very much would need appointment setting. And I look at some of that stuff. Now, I'll, I'll admit it. I kind of got overwhelmed with some of that stuff because I'm like, oh, wow, this could literally be a whole full-time thing. Um, there's this and, whole circuit of those conferences and trade shows. And, and speaking of which, there's a whole circuit of people that make a living doing nothing but that. Yep. They're definitely um, interesting. It takes a certain personality to be able to uh, deal with that week in and week out. Would you agree? Yeah. All right. You know what? I probably should go follow up on a lot of things. And um, I think you, that's going to be the key to the trade show is following up on stuff after the trade show. But I feel like I got a thousand things to follow up on I, before I, think, I even leave for the trade show. I think what really happened is Matt realized he's got six more things to do after oh, we yeah. talked about this. You've got to get the NSAC costume cleaned. Oh, yeah. yeah. You have to f- find and figure out how to travel with a t-shirt cannon. Yes. By the way, don't put, don't put that in your carry on. Yeah. That's probably not approved by the TSA. I don't think it is. Um, and you know, another thing too, is, you know, they have like a Gatlin gun type t-shirt cannon where you can load up like 20 of them, spin it and it turns and just fires them everywhere. You've also got to get whatever fires the t-shirt out of the cannon. Yeah. Um, or have you done anything to consider scantily clad women or shirtless men to try to draw more people to the booth? You know, booth babes are kind of out of, uh, they fa- yeah, they're out of favor. No, yeah. That's kind of out of favor, man. So what, no more booth babes. What would you do for developers? Like, Ooh, it, maybe you could make, get, make it so people have, they get the next, uh, expensive Pokemon in your booth. Yeah. Or maybe like a real, like R2D2 or something. I don't know. Are you allowed to bring droids with I you? I don't think so, but... If you can't bring a costume, can yeah. you bring a robot? No, my probably not. Yeah. I'll tell you what. I'm going to call Bill and ask him a few questions about his conference. Right. talking about Gates here, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to get after that. You do what you need to get to the trade show. I'm probably going to pick a random guest host to fill in for you next week because I like to do that while you're gone. Fine. I'm going to call your wife, actually. I'm going to ask her. We're going to... If you would like to hear what... It's like to be married to Matt Watson via his wife. Please say something in the Startup Hustle Facebook chat, and we'll see if we can make that happen. Although I don't think she will accept my I don't think so. Okay. I'll see you next time, Matt. See ya. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.